God always saves a piece for later, a small seed that he can blow on to reproduce whatever he created. In the story of Noah, God saved everything he created by bringing it into the ark. He put it into a place of protection so that it could be multiplied, so that it could go out and it could do what it was created to do. Well, if he can use the tiniest and most discarded vessels to bring forth his glory, what is it like if he's put a little seed inside of you? Well, that's definitely what we're going to talk about on tonight's episode. I have the very awesome Kathy Bixell, and she has written a book called The Radical Rising Remnant, because there is something that God has deposited into his church, and he is blowing on that wind to get it ready for the next move. So thank you so much, Kathy. I am so honored to have you here on Touch by Prayer. Oh, well, the honor is mine, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, We've been very excited to come on uh, your show tonight. Uh, we got out all the news on social media as much as we could. Um, it's just been, you know, just an honor having connected with you, and um, I'm excited for the for the show tonight to see what the Holy Spirit says through us and ministers to the people listening. Yes, and you know, it's so funny because God always has these divine connections, and we just never know when somebody's going to pop well, exactly, in. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just pop and into I, our I, life. I believe it was, yeah, I believe it was, you know, seeing when I had Tori Harper on Beautiful Life, and you made comments on Facebook, and I was like, wow, who's this woman? And the mm-hmm. next thing you know, we're on the phone with each other. So. Absolutely. And it's and it's funny because um, my husband actually met you, and he kind of talked about you, but I still wasn't putting two and two together. So God was already starting to brew something like a like year he ago. Like does, right? Yes. It's like brewing a, a cup of tea. Sometimes it has to sit a little bit before you can feel the strength. So you have written this book. Now, I read this book. This book, The Radical Rising Remnant. This is sort of what what I kind of felt. It was was like a check in your spirit of, oh my gosh, guess what? I'm a remnant. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. So that's so that's what I kind of felt. Did the Holy Spirit like bring this book out of you because there were people who because the church talks about this remnant. And I don't think people understand what it truly means to be a remnant. Well, my experience Lisa was I actually wrote the book when I think about my journey in writing the book, um, I'm reminded of a story of an interaction that Paul Keith Davis had with Bob Jones that God had given um, uh, 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 Paul, he'd given him an idea of a, a book to write. I believe, I believe it was his book, um, Destiny Books. I believe it was that one. And he felt like he needed to write it, but he, he, he wasn't quite sure about the time. And Bob Jones said to him, you're going to write a book, but it's going to be written before it's time. And he said, basically, the book was written five years You know, he wrote it, and he got, you know, a couple people read it or whatever, he said, but in five years, the revelation he had in that book was when it really was starting to unfold and manifest in the natural, um, in in the church. So um, I, I feel that way about this book. I actually wrote the book between 2012 and 2013, and it came as a Um, The word of the Lord to me really was the word of the Lord. And at that time, um, I wasn't hearing 
I was hearing it in my own prayer closet. So for me, uh, you know, my, I know sometimes people say you can't say prayer closet anymore, but anyway, I, it was, for me, it was my closet. Um, <laughs> I'm not embarrassed about it. Um, and the Lord just downloaded um, this message to me, and it just began to grow, you know, like the, the chia. Do you ever see those chia plants? You know, you water them in the commercial. Absolutely. And those chia plants, uh-huh. and they just keep growing. And it just kept growing. And, um, you know, so what I did was I just, you know, just set aside the time, almost a nine-month period, and it, because I knew what God was saying was, was, was so rich in revelation, but it needed to be founded on the Word of God. What I was saying what needed to be substantiated in the Bible. And so I did a lot of research, a lot of study, and really found out that there actually are Bible scholars that talk about, quote, remnant theology. So for me, it was... Um, it was written, you know, 2012, 2013, and after the book came out was when I started seeing in other areas this terminology being used. Uh, I believe I, you and I chatted a little bit about one of my pet peeves um, as an apostolic mother is the degree to which we use jargon in the body of Christ. We use all this lingo and have no idea what we're saying. Um, it just is like, it, you know, it becomes po- popular to use a word or terminology, but yet we really don't understand the terms we're using. And I think that we need to have meat on our bones. You know, we need to know what we're talking about for the world to understand us. And so that's the little bit of a journey in me, you know, coming to actually write the book. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you really start to, you talk about what a remnant is, but more importantly, you start to do like a checklist because it says, one of the things that you write about is you like, formal is our normal. What is the normal? And you were really talking about the apostles. Like after Pentecost, what was their normal? Signs, wonders, miracles, angelic assistance, healing, unbridled generosity, (laughs) authority. This is a big one. (laughs) Authority over demons contagious joy come on seriously (laughs) exactly and you know uh, one of the things that is so important for me lisa to get across to our listeners is when people hear the word remnant um they think it's you know it's like some holy spiritual people that make it and nobody else does it's the group of people in the church that are better or more spiritual than somebody else that's not what i i what we're talking about or what god is talking about but there is biblical foundation for the idea that god does not need a crowd to fulfill his purpose and that even jesus one of the um I believe one of the most powerful references to substantiate um, the difference between normal and nominal Christianity and supernatural apostolic authority Christianity is Jesus' dissertation in uh, in John chapter six, where he engages um, he engages with the disciples and begins to tell them what is going to be necessary for them to follow him. And, uh, you know, our listeners can read it on their own, and I go into more detail in my book. But basically what Jesus says in John, in John chapter 6, he says, to, uh, he says to them, he says, I tell you the truth, he's standing with a large crowd of disciples. Okay, so let's say he's, he's standing in, you know, uh, the megachurch down the road, or the, you know what I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, the megachurch in one of our big cities. And he says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Now, when Jesus said that to them, their response was, wow, this, these sayings are hard. Because for you and I, as a casual reader of that portion of Scripture, we have no context in our church culture for coming in a pagan feast and sacrificing an animal and eating it. But in Jesus' day, his listeners understood that there were mystery religions that were carried out all around them in the marketplace, in family life, where people would actually take the sacrificed animal that they would sacrifice to the god of their particular religion or their belief system. And by eating that animal, they actually became, they believed, they became one with the divine. So what Jesus was saying is, there is a level of commitment here that, and the, the disciples understood it. Those listening understood that he was demanding and saying to them, this is not going to be a casual, oh, I think I'll follow around the miracle worker. This was, we are going to be one. You are going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And all of a sudden, they were like, this is really hard. And, and, and I, I believe it was uh, Peter at the time, um, you know, Peter at, at the time, they said, that, oh, this is, you know, really a hard, a hard teaching. And Jesus turns around because he hears the disciples grumbling, probably saying, oh, my gosh, how could we be that committed to him? And Jesus, Jesus says to them, you know, uh, because the crowd leaves, and Jesus said, are you offended by this? Are you offended, too? Are you going to leave, too? And Peter says, no, Lord, w- where would we go for the words of life? But the fact is... The crowd completely dispersed, and 12 were left that Jesus had to work with. Well, and if you really think about it, like the the preachers who are actually going out, who are truly teaching, there are so many people who are truly teaching kingdom, not religion. They're They're talking kingdom things, and people are like freaking out about it. Because people don't want to talk about casting out demons, and people don't want to talk about raising the dead, and people don't want to talk about translocation. Right. I challenge any listener tonight, Lisa, to just this week open your Bible to the book of Mark and begin reading the book of Mark like you've never read it before and see how many times... And Jesus went about and cast out the demons. That's and Jesus right. went about and cast out the demons. And Jesus took authority over the demons one, one time after another. We, and this is the distinction that I make in this book, is I go on to explain that it is a radical rising remnant. So I define what it means to be a radical believer. The word radical comes from the Latin word to get at the root. It's, you know, for me, my life is when I minister to people and I minister to the Word, you can't deal with the fruit, you've got to get to the root. 
And when you get to the root of any issue or anything in your life, that's what the Spirit of God does. He has this, the Spirit of God has such love for you. He has this standard of glory transformation he wants to see come out of your life. And so the, the, it's, the, it's this level, I, I don't even want to use the word level, but it's this um, dynamic of following Jesus in such a way that you allow him get to get to the root issues in your life so that you can experience the transformation. I talk about being awakened as a believer. Um, and I know you had said to me that you um, had loved the, uh, you know, some of the, the things that I said about how the church is asleep. Now, um, wait, wait, I have, I, have a, to, I have to interrupt because I have it right here. And it says, the con- this is what she has in her book. It says, the contrast to the sleeping saint, the awakened believer is A, aware of the cosmic battle between the darkness and the light, W, walking in the transforming power of God's word and his spirit, A, activated in their gifts and callings, K, keeping the flame of God's burning in their heart through prayer, and E, energized by the spirit to live a holy and righteous life, A, wake. <laughs> yeah, Boom. that's the acronym. Yeah, yes. that's it. But, I, but, but go further and kind of talk, because you also talked about the parable that Jesus talks about the ten virgins and five were asleep. Because I think, not to be funny, but I think that the church sleeps over that part. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think the major theme is, it's, and this is so important, which is I keep harping on it for lack of a better word, because it's, you know, oh, you're the remnant, which means you're better. It's not that. It's that there is, we have to understand in the church that that not everybody, it's like I said in the, in the book, that it was, you know, it was uh, uh, Kenneth E. Hagan who used to say to us, just because you stand in a barn doesn't make you a cow. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I think that there, there, is a, there is a level of fruit that we should be experiencing and that the world is waiting to see that defines, you know, that defines who we are. Um, and so there is this, this idea, and this is what is happening. I believe it's becoming harder and harder for many believers to actually stand up and stand out and speak up and speak out in a way that demonstrates their kingdom people because of fear of the culture. We've allowed a postmodern culture to define uh, to define our scriptural understanding as opposed to allowing our scriptural understanding and the Word of God define how we should be living. And so there is this distinction, this, there is, you know, I think it was Jesus who said, you know, many are called, uh, but few are chosen, right? So there is this aspect that God is calling us, and the the um, the parable of the of the uh, wise and foolish virgins, I believe, and it's written at the end of the book of Matthew, which is you know the uh, the parables that kind of talk about how things are going to be at the end, um, and it speaks of the five awake and the five the five were foolish, and what defined the foolish ones were they weren't living um, in a awakened state. They, they weren't living um, and experiencing the fire and love of the Holy Spirit in their lives daily that would enable them to make decisions that kept them strong, kept them free, 
and that kept them safe and also kept them aware of the times that they're living in. I'm amazed the degree of the lack of discernment many in the church have. What is really, from a spiritual standpoint, happening in the world, Lisa? So the, with the wise and foolish virgins, the, it was the ones that were, that were able to understand the time that they were living in and made sure that they were, they were ready. They paid the price to buy the oil. Well, they also and watched the oil, it, too. They paid the price. See, we, we think that somehow when we talk about a price being paid, that it negates grace. And it does not negate grace. But let's be honest. We all know there's a reason we're called disciples. Does it remind you of any other word, Lisa? Discipline. Disciple? Yeah, discipline. Discipline. Oh, <laughs> discipline, that dirty word. If we're disciplined, we're not in grace, you know, and that's, that's, not, that's not it in all. It's the grace of God that enables me to fulfill and execute the passion of my heart for the Lord. That enables me, but there's a price to pay. In the sense, what's the price? The price is many times maybe not getting to do what I feel like doing. I mean, do you always feel like getting up and, you know, going to do something that seems like it's, you know, the, the godly thing or the right thing or whatever? No. Do you? It's much easier, you know, when the world around you is caught up in a whole lot of other things, but yet you're going to the midnight prayer meeting or you're going uh, to church on Sunday or you're fellowshipping with believers and praying um, or, you know, taking online courses, Bible courses, or going to conferences, taking your vacation time and going to a third world country or even a second world country and preaching the gospel with your vacation time. So there, there are things that those virgins did to ensure that they had the oil. Absolutely. And they watched the oil. That was the other yeah. thing, because if you really think about it, like they had oil because they didn't know when the groom was going to come. So as soon as that oil started to get depleted, they filled it back up. See, yes. that yes. that's what I think is so crucial that we are not doing, is we're not getting filled back up to overflowing. We are supposed to be a full, fully um, filled vial. That's how we're supposed to be. So as we pour out, the Lord pours back in. But what happens is if you're not pouring out or if you're pouring out and never being filled back in, like you said, being filled by being with other believers, going to conferences, reading books, spending time, most importantly, spending time with the oh, Lord in prayer. Most important, yeah. Most important, most important. Because there are some people who have been hurt by churches. And so, you know, they don't feel the need to be in church. And you know what? That's that's something that is a personal thing. But the most important thing is spending time with the Lord. Because in that secret place, as you were calling your your prayer closet, I have a prayer deck. So, but there are places that we can go to where we can feel that presence. We can be filled to overflowing. We can read the scriptures. We can read a book. We can listen to worship music. But we start yeah. to get filled because our spirit starts to rise up. There's something inside of us that starts to awaken. That's the important thing. And I think the other thing, um, because both you and I agree with this, is praying in the spirit. It is yes. so misunderstood how vitally important it is. I, 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 can do a, I can do a serious teaching because people just, dis, they just dismiss it. They don't think it's important. And that's what And what do we me. find happening over the past decade to 15 years has been a, a slow 
um, a, 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 you know, step-by-step withdrawal of the manifestation of tongues and the gifts in corporate gatherings. Yep. Because there is the fear that if we do that, number one, we're going to look stupid. Or number two, we are going, you know, we're not we're going to look less intellectual. Or the second, the second issue is we think we're going to scare a visitor. Let me tell you something, and, and I talk about this in, you know, in my book a, a little bit, but my salvation experience, when my whole family came to Christ back in, um, back in la la la, when, <laughs> <laughs> no, when we all came into Christ, I mean, we, my brothers and I experienced a revival at Bridgewater Raritan High School East. The Holy Spirit swept through that high school, and there was a radical move of God, and we were all radical, radically saved. I was a high school senior. We got, um, you know, baptized in the Holy Ghost. We had been going to a religious church, another, you know, religious church throughout our childhood, on and off. Um, you know, went and did the, the particular, you know, um, sacraments and things like that, but did not know you know, did not know Jesus in the way that we realized was available for us. But I will never forget going to, for my first time, going to a a service. It was an Assemblies of God church in Somerville, and seeing the people with their arms up worshiping. It didn't scare me. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful. You can feel this life. You can feel the presence of the Lord. And I was a young believer. It was an invitation for me to have the joy that they were all, like you said, contagious joy. It was an invitation for me to experience the same thing. But what we are finding now and I, we happened, you and I happened to get on this topic before I got on the phone. About five or six years ago, or potentially longer, I heard a statistic, uh, a kind of demographic uh, study, that they were saying that it was going, literally going to be the Latinos and the, uh, the Africans coming from other nations into the United States that would save Pentecostalism in America. Because they have, and it's interesting, I'm getting a lot of invitations to uh, Spanish, Portuguese churches. Um, after I'm, this past weekend, I did a, a, a prayer vigil, uh, a speaking event that was, uh, I mean, just phenomenal in terms of what I saw in that community of people, not me phenomenal, they were phenomenal, um, what I see in the Brazilian community. Um, and then this weekend I'm preaching in, an, you know, in, in a predominantly African church. I'm doing their anniversary service. They have a worldview that is so, they understand the spiritual dimension. In the Western church, we have become so intellectualized that we, Lord, forgive me if that's actually the right word, but we no, that works. so that intellectualized works. <laughs> that it's all about just giving encouraging messages, motivational messages, but there is no movement of the Spirit in the services, um, and there is no freedom. And so what you find happening, Lisa, is what I wrote about, that it is pro- it, a remnant is going to arise out of that sterile, formal environment, that God is going to take that remnant that are willing to abandon the formal structure for life-giving expressions of authentic Christianity we see in the book of Acts. Mm. 
And that is exactly what I think you're seeing in a lot of the churches that you're going to. You're seeing the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit in action by people being delivered, being set free, people crying, people speaking in tongues, and, and signs, wonders, and miracles with people getting healed. Exactly. And preparing them and equipping them to go into the marketplace. Like Lisa, you know, I, I, I have to control myself not to ask you a lot of questions, you know, because I actually would love to have you on uh, Beautiful Life TV. Absolutely. But your journey has been one of seeing the Holy Spirit move demonstratively in, you know, in the marketplace and equipping people for how, because really the New Age is hijacking from the church what is our inheritance to understand the spiritual realm and be able to minister to people out of heaven yes and i think that's that's one of the things that i felt was so interesting because as, as things started to the holy spirit started to work with me you know where i was working basically i didn't have i had no grid i had nothing i mean i didn't understand it i just i just did it because I right. knew his voice. And it says, and it was you know, a good thing you didn't yeah. have an understanding. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I just, I just did it. But, and I think that, that that's part of the thing when I would hear this, this, like you were saying earlier about being a remnant, I always thought that the remnant was somebody who was in church for such a long time that they've been seasoned, that they, they've been taught, oh, that they no, knew no, the Bible. No. <laughs> and by reading your book, I went, Oh heck no. This is somebody who <laughs> right. this is somebody who loves Jesus with a passion and pursues him in everything that they do. Nothing else matters. It's like the food doesn't have a taste, the drink doesn't have a taste. Nothing matters. Nothing matters but Jesus. Nothing it's a, it's like I'm there there's a, a t-shirt that says Jesus Jesus Jesus. I get it. I didn't. And the remnant, this is another important thing. The remnant is a prophetic people. Yeah. They understand the times and seasons we are living in. That is so important. That's another defining characteristic of the remnant. They, they're, they're otherworldly. You know, they're, we're, yes, we're here and we're grounded and we have to function, but I was actually sharing on Saturday night um, at the event that I was speaking at, you know, that, that we see that in, in Hebrews 11 that, that, that Moses endured seeing he who was invisible. And, you know, and Abraham was, this is one of my favorite verses, that Abraham was looking for a city and that these, these men and women of faith were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Yes, they were in the earth, there were sandals were walking in the sand, and they lived in tents, and they were very earth, they were obviously in the earth, but their lives were dictated by another realm of life. Mm. And that's, a, that's, that's, we are a prophetic people, so when we have elections, we understand what's going on. When we see what's happening in the nations right now, we don't perceive it and process it the way someone else on Facebook processes it because we understand what God is doing in the nations. We understand the heart of Jesus is to set the captives free from, from demonic government, state government structures. We understand that. We, we understand that Jesus is on the move by his spirit setting humanity free. So when we understand the heart of God, 
through prayer and intercession, when we understand the heart of God, we process what's happening in North Korea a whole lot different than a newspaper. Absolutely. And you know, there's that old expression, it says, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. See, I think that that was coined by somebody who wants to keep the power out of the person. Because if (laughs) you are looking at things from a heavenly perspective, you are doing earthly good by doing it. Because you are seeing what God is doing in heaven. Because Jesus said that I do not do anything. I do not see my Father in heaven do. So he had to see it from a heavenly perspective before he could do it on earth. And so I think what you're, that, that it's so important that what you're saying is about the times and about the seasons and about having a, a, a different perspective. Because Jesus saw what the Father was showing him in a heavenly world. Because exactly. that's, and he just brought it back down. That's all. That's exactly, exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, there's that, also that verse and it says, you know, um, uh, it says, uh, the, the, our father, right? And it yes. says, and it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's something that consecrates when we have heaven, if we have a heaven vision, that we can bring it down here. I mean, Bill Johnson did that book, When Heaven Invades Earth. Yes. When yes, I read yes. that book, I went, wait, we can do that? Wait, <laughs> that's possible? Yes, yes. No, it's actually how, we're, because it's how Jesus lived. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, just something just um, kind of rose up in me while you were talking, and that's it. I think some of the challenge that we face in the church is um, especially when it comes to um, the the Holy Spirit moving, the manifestation of the gifts, uh, you know, the nine gifts in operation when we gather, um, all those, you know, those kind of issues that we deal with. And, you know, clearly there are many different tribes and expressions in the church, and all of them, in the kingdom, I should say, and all of them have their value and have their place and have their motivation. But I think that sometimes where the challenge is, Lisa, is that men and women of God sometimes process God through their own personality makeup. So, for example, you, God will, if you, I know ministers that are very cerebral, they're just in their temperament. You, you know, Lisa, you know mm-hmm. people that they're just, they're just thinkers and they're not very um, necessarily exuberant. Like, I know the difference even between myself and my own husband. I'm like, you know, I'm Italian, I'm emotional, I'm, I'm demonstrative when I speak, when I preach, I'm like drenched from the top to the bottom in sweat I, because I'm, I'm moving. My husband, and those that know him, he is like, if I'm in the car down the road, he's still in the house looking for the keys. He's just, <laughs> he is just very, like, he's from the Midwest, he's just slow-moving, he's very, like, whatever. But he, because he has more of a cerebral-type personality, so people that are like that, they think that that's what God is like. A matter of fact, uh, someone who does an excellent amount of teaching on this uh, and a great quality of teaching on this is Graham Cook. He talks about how people that um, are not really open to the emotions of God um, and God that that aspect of God's personality need to be need to 
really have God work on them to come out and um, experience God that way. And equally, some of some of us that are more the emotional type, right? We, you know, we could just as easily on the other side of the spectrum just think that everything that God does and every expression in service or every everything is this like unbridled emotional experience, right? Because there's a time and a place, and there's a and both expressions have their value. And so I think that what happens is people, you know, I could think of it, I won't name people, but I could just think of people right now, who they are is how they express God to be. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. Well, look at but Joel Osteen. Like look at Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen is this happy, big, smiley person. And I'll never forget, I was, <laughs> yes, I was talking to one of my, this is when I was still in Catholic uh, church, and I spoke to one of my priests because I was so excited. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I spoke in tongues. So I was, I was telling him about Joel Osteen because there was this crazy story that kind of went along with it, and I saw his face change. I literally saw his whole face and demeanor, and he got nasty. Oh, that's Joel Osteen. He's always smiling. And he was really, oh, no, no, seriously, he was really angry about it. And and here I thought, I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm always smiling. That's So he doesn't like people who are happy. <laughs> he does not like right, happy right, people. Well, that's right. But see, you, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So and all the people in his congregation think God's like him. Yes. And do you know what that what never smiles. And you know what's so funny is that I believe this is what I believe. I believe that God is what you how he comes to you. Like because there are some people that God is like thus saith the Lord to to some people. That's how he because if he didn't say that to them, he the, the person would never receive it from him. So he right, has to right. use like, you know, King, you know, King James version with with some people. And then with other people he'd be like, "Hey, let's go do this today you know because he he basically works with us on in our like how we are as people and he'll relate to us the way that we are it's just like with Moses you know when when I first started to hear the Lord I said to somebody I said well God said this and God said that and this this was a person who heard from God but I guess not as much and she she looked at me and she said you know what Lisa she goes God doesn't talk to people that much and I went oh okay so I went back to the Lord I said Lord she, she this person told me that you don't talk that much and he goes I talk to Moses all the time I went oh okay that was it I just didn't right, tell anybody right. that thought, yeah. that he talked to me so I think that he's going to meet you and he's going to to uh, speak to the person, but I think what you're what what you're beautifully saying is that we as people, you know, when it says that that verse, it says that that you will be changed from glory, that God will take us from glory to glory to glory. The yes. Lord started to show me that that glory is closer to Jesus. He's going to transform us out of us into the image of His Son. So we're right. going to become more compassionate. We're going to become more giving. We're going to become more graceful. We're going well grace centered I should say we're going to become more empathetic more sympathetic that we are going to be changed from oh preach it sister yeah you know, that so <laughs> that's what he's starting to say and I have this plaque and I got it when I first um I, I think it was even before I got filled with the Holy Spirit but it says live your life in such a way that people who don't know God but know you will get to know God through you yes and yes. I think that's that's what the church needs to be we need to be the hands and the feet, not not the pointing finger. Well, and I think that, yes, and that, that, 
That's great, Lisa. And I think that is a, a, another point for me to pivot off of when you said about the pointing finger. <laughs> Is that I'm, I'm working in. I'm working in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good. You're doing a great. Yeah, it's actually very good because this is where what what is happening is I believe as the you know as we're getting closer and closer to the time of Jesus. I believe that time is really compressing, and heaven is getting closer. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like Absolutely. in terms of just the the you know the eternal realm of God and. What God wants us to experience, when you, if you just like take off your religious glasses and open your Bible and, and go through the Gospels and see the things that Jesus did and how he did them, it's crazy to think that he said, and greater works will you do. You know what I'm saying? Yes. That we would walk in this realm of the presence of God. It's not about this formal religion. And I think for me, because my salvation experience, my transition from religion to Christianity, true Christianity, was so dramatic that and so distinct that I could smell religion coming a mile away. Like, it, you know what I mean, Lisa? You, yeah. you, you, when you start feeling that constraint and you start feeling that the tradition of man or the thoughts of man usurping the movement and power and person of the Holy Spirit, it, something rises up in me to, like, let my people go. You know what I mean? Like, just let them go. And we're seeing that the Holy Spirit... The water level is rising. The water level now is really rising in the spirit. And his, what does it say? Though the darkness increases, it says in Isaiah, right, that the glory of God will rise on you. That is a prophetic promise for the church. And I had an experience a couple weeks ago where I came, um, I was a Sunday afternoon and I was doing laundry and I went to do laundry, and all of a sudden, all of the my lower level of my home, all my tubs, toilet bowls, and everything started flowing, overflowing with water on the whole lower level. And I'm thinking, what? This is like crazy. Well, the same week or the following week, one of um, the women that I pray with, I prayed with her for years and years. She's one of our intercessors in our prayer group. She had a dream that the water level was coming out from the ground. The water was rising up from the ground and flooding her house. And and it was like ankle deep, but it was it wasn't like a scary situation. It just was the water was coming. It was like the water level is rising. And what I think we have to set our sights on is to get free of our there's a harvest. There is the reward of Jesus suffering that is awaiting us. There's this incredible harvest. And while we are trying to figure out all these ways to reach them, that we already have the way to reach them. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the Bible, and it's already in operation, and it's the glory of God on us attracting the lost. So let me give you a perfect example, because I've been walking in this recently and really hungering and talking to the Lord about this for me to have a fuller understanding for my own life, but also to help further equip the church to begin to walk in the glory of God. I believe a great shift in transition has been happening that I've been seeing and preaching for, for uh, a, a couple years here now, at least two years, that we are moving from the anointing to the glory. 
in terms of what we are seeing God do in demonstration and manifestation in the earth to help accelerate this harvest, right? And so I go to the gym you know, a couple of days a week or whatever. Two weeks ago, I am in the gym. I'm in my class. I'm in this. There must be like 30 women in this class. And the instructor, who, you know, I've been in this one class for like two years now, so she knows my name or whatever, but I don't know her exceptionally well, but I've been praying for her you know, and really thinking about her salvation. Well, I am in class, you know, sweating, working, or whatever, and she yells out in the middle of the class over the microphone, Kathy, oh, my God, you are glowing. What happened to you? Well, I, the whole class turns around and looks at me, and I, it's the same week, I, this thing happens with the water level rising or whatever, and I was so, I probably turned red in my sweat, and I was like, um, you know, and then, of course, you know, for about two seconds flat, my head gets big. Oh, I'm glowing, I'm whatever. And then she says, you look 10 years younger. Well, there went my big head out the window, because all I thought about was, what did I look like last week that now I look 10 years younger? But it was, she saw something on me. She stopped the class and said it, all right? The next day... I'm, I'm, or two days later, I'm in the gym. S- someone else walks up to me and goes, what did, are you like doing anything to yourself? I'm like, no, they go, you are like glowing. I'm like, okay, Lord, what on earth are you doing? So the next week I'm in the class. She comes out after me and she says, what are you, what do you do? Because when you talk, there's something on your voice. Uh, Now, Lisa, this is what ended up happening, to make a long story short. We're standing outside of the studio. Another woman in the class who's a believer comes out and stands with me. This is what she says to me. You know, my husband's family are those born-againers, and they're always telling me that I'm going to hell. And... But there is something about you that I don't feel that same thing. And we ended up standing there and sharing with her about Jesus. And why did I hand her a track? Did I um, start talking to her? It was because she saw the glory of God and it attracted her. Amen. And that's exactly this what is, is going to happen? See, it's yeah. not because I'm so, uh, you know, I'm using because the Holy Spirit is Absolutely. teaching me. I walked and I said, God, you did in one week what I probably couldn't do in three years praying for this woman. That's right. And that's, the, see, that's the difference. That's why I think people who, and, and this is not to judge people, but this is just, this is just truth. People who really dismiss speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, getting that releva- uh, um, revelation. And their elevation. The, yeah, and their <laughs> elevation from, from the Holy Spirit. They're missing such a huge part. And I, and I, try, right. I try to explain it to them. I go, to, you know, John Paul Jackson, he talked about that when we speak in tongues, it says that Paul said that it edifies my spirit. 
And he said that yeah. edify means to build up. And because you're talking about a gym, it's to build up. It's to increase. It's like weightlifting. So, you know, we start off small. We start off with five pounds, but then we get to 10 pounds and we get to 20 yes. pounds. Then we're lifting. You know, some people can lift like 150 or 200 pounds, but that's because they have built it up. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us a couple of words. And if we're faithful with the small words, he gives us his beautiful vocabulary. But more importantly, we can speak. We can speak to angels. We can speak to demons. Like it's not like we're, we're purposely deciding who we're going to talk to. But it, but Paul says that I speak to men and angels. But so, see, but that, what you just said, Lisa, necessitates having a worldview that is spiritual. Yes. Not a worldview that is just the, the, what is in the seen realm. Right. And that's why many of these, because I've traveled, you know, traveled to many nations preaching, there's a, I stood in a tent in Africa in a drought and called forth the rain, and a cloud came over yes, the tent and rained. Yes. You see what? Because the people there can engage, they have, they have an understanding because of you know, of course, the occultic powers and Absolutely. all that. They have a different. They have a different grid, Lisa. Yep. You know, they have the same. It, you know, I was in a in a uh, Assemblies of God Brazilian church on Saturday night. At, I didn't get into the pulpit to preach till 12.30. By 1.32 o'clock in the morning, 10 women were lined up. There was, you know, a lot more people there for the event, which stunned me. It was multi-generational, fiery worship and praise, the young people, the old people, whatever. It was, it was so encouraging to me to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. Ten people who had not been baptized in the Holy Ghost lined up at two o'clock in the morning receiving the baptism. Now, there's, (laughs) right, and here we are, we don't even do, hardly do the altar calls for it anymore. Never. Never. It's it's very rare. It's so rare. In fact, what would happen... But there's a remnant. There is. Well, you know, there I went to Grace and Peace, not Grace and Peace. I went to Abundant Grace Church in Brick, and they actually had this. Um, it was uh, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of um, Shania, um, uh, Shekinah Glory Ministries. There wasn't. Yes, boy, I remember those. Do you remember that? Okay, so it's two women and a man. Now these two women, ha. Seriously, like I didn't even understand, but I knew because they spoke in tongues because my dad spoke in tongues. So I was like, so I was really intrigued by them. And I, I got, I got blasted. I, I got slain in the spirit. So I fell down and they pulled me over and I became <laughs> spiritual roadkill. But this is the thing. They gave the altar call. And that's the purpose for this is that they gave an altar call and I was doing a checklist. It was like, if you'd like to give your life to Christ, I'm like, check. And it's like, if you'd like to rededicate, I'm like, check. And they're like, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm thinking, well, at 16, I was water baptized, so check. And then <laughs> they said, if you don't have the gift of speaking in tongues. And I went, oh, wow. And I heard the Lord say, well, just like that. That was it. He said, well, and it was that moment. Do I get out of the boat? Do I stay in the boat? <laughs> what do I do? So my wow. hand went up and they brought me up and I was with teenagers and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. When oh I, wow! So when I spoke, I w- I was like, I didn't. Even, my mouth was going so fast, and oh, I, the fire heaven, was on me. Heaven came into your body, and it was like, and I was speaking so fast, and I thought, wow, I had a lot to say. That's <laughs> that was, that's the first thing that I thought of, and it was <laughs> and it was funny because I started to say the Our Father, and I because I didn't know how to stir up 
the Holy Spirit. So I started to say the Our Father really, really fast until my tongue got, I got tongue tied. Oh, that is hysterical. Because they didn't tell me how to do it. They were like, okay, just start speaking. I'm like, huh? <laughs> They're like, you okay. know what's so great is that that God did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That yes. is what's so wonderful. You didn't have to do it perfectly. No. And so, so, but when I got filled, it was like, and so when I, the first time that the Lord told me to, to pray for somebody to get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't know what to tell them. So I was like, I could do the Our Father, but I was like, let's do ABC because you could get tongue tied really quick. I just knew that you needed to stop being able to speak what you're thinking and get tongue tied so that the Holy Spirit could pop right through. So, right, right. so I would have people say the alphabet really fast. <laughs> and, then, oh my goodness. and then I said to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, never I, tried that one. Yeah. I said, Lord, I said, you know what? I said, this isn't, I mean, it's fine. It's working, but it's just not spiritual enough. So what should I tell them to say? And he said, tell them to say, hallelujah. So that's what I tell people to say. And I tell them to say, hallelujah. And I tell them to say it really fast. So they get tongue tied. And as soon as they get tongue tied, it pops through. And you've had people, you, you, from what I understand from your story, you've had people actually even baptized in the Holy Ghost at your makeup counter. Absolutely. Yep. I wasn't I expecting that. that. I, I mean, love that. And I kept thinking, because I was working for Clinique at the time, I thought, well, if she falls to the ground, I'm just going to take off my coat and cover her, because that's what they do in churches, you know? And, I, and <laughs> oh I'll just, gosh. and I'll just tell people, no, she's fine. She's just under the Holy Spirit. And I was just like, a, you know, be, but it was like that. Do I make it lift? Like, you know, do, what do you do? Because right, you right. don't want to. So I kind of hovered around her as she's shaking and speaking in tongues at my counter. And I'm like, okay. So, and I'm like, Shh. And, I, and so I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, you know, can, can you, can you kind of lift off of her please? <laughs> because I don't want to get fired. But this has also happened when I was in the mall. I was, um, I met this woman who was, a, who, who was, I thought, filled with the Holy Spirit. But I started to talk to her. And I said to her, I said, you know, the funniest thing is that some of the people I have to break off the spirit of fear when they, um, for them to get filled with the Holy Spirit so that they can start speaking in tongues. And she goes, well, I don't think that's my problem. I go, wait a second. You don't speak in tongues? She's like, nope, I've been asking. I said, you got five minutes? So we were in the mall. We were in the oh, Bridgewater awesome. Mall. I, and we got into the, into the elevator. We went upstairs. I found a little corner. I prayed over her, told her to start saying hallelujah. She got That's filled awesome. with the Holy Spirit. She was shaking, speaking in tongues. Wow. Wow. That's the, the remnant. The remnant the fire, is gold. The fire was all over yeah. her. And wow. she just looked at me. And she just, she just was like, I've never felt that before. And I'm like, because I, it, it, you know, the thing, Kathy, that I don't understand is that sometimes people will say things that kind of shock me. They'll say things I've never felt that before. So you've never, so there are people who've never actually felt the Holy Spirit, have never felt God moving. There are people who have said, I've never heard, like in prophecy, wow, I've never wow. heard that yes. before. So my thought is, gosh, what are they, what are people telling you? that are saying right, that they're prophetic. Right, what are they saying right. to you? If this is like blowing your mind, because we should all be singing the same songs. We should all be speaking the same language. Not, I mean, not, you know. I understand. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Yes, at least and, I understand. And so that's why I think a book like this is going to give you that, that push that's going to say, wait a second. Okay, what are the things that God needs to break off of me or break through me so that I can be fully functioning as this remnant. Right. And it's it's a it's a you know, it's a mind shift too. It's it's coming out of thinking and processing your Christian experience in a way different than you have potentially for a long time. Uh it was you know, really uh 
I know it's touched by prayer, but my heart was touched that, you know, that the book blessed you, you know, in the way that it did, because that was my purpose. It's, you know, a clarion call to come up higher to the church. Let's, Let's come out of this mindset of formality this is not our dna no this is not this is not who we are and um you know i i believe that as we we one of the things that happens is we recognize we're not alone in how for those listening um you know that haven't read the book or maybe those that are listening tonight that have um you realize that wow that that, that there are others like you that that you know, really are desirous to see more and experience more. And um, and also, you know, I, I write a lot about, I have every chapter of the book is, is called Rise Up. Rise up in faith. Rise up as sons and daughters. Rise up as royalty. Um, rise up, awaken and rise. Rise up in love. You know, rise up in your righteousness. Um, rise up and roar is the final chapter. Is, is uh, helping people really catch the vision of how the love of God changes them and how God has a dream for your life and has a a passion um, for you as a person and will, as you pray and you spend time with him um, and walk with him, how that his dream for you and the purpose, I always say this, the purpose for which he put you in your mother's womb unfolds. And it's not going to happen by just walking into a building and being motivated every week. It comes from having a vibrant, authentic, live relationship with the living God and with the people in whom he is actively alive as well. And so, um, you know, it just blessed me, um, and it's just been an honor even, you know, being on the on the show because it excites me. Uh, to know that that God's word is really finding its way, um, you know, into the hands of hungry people. And I think that's the whole thing. I mean, there's, um, I think you wrote something about like there is a, or or did I just see this? But it was taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. See, there is something that we have to do. Where oh, see, that's so good because we have to taste, taste the word. We have to know the word. We have to, you know, there's a um, people who do taste tests. This is something that they they go and they t- they taste different things, and sometimes they're similar, and they can actually tell what it is because they they're familiar with it. And so they have these taste tests. What is better? Because this is what you're used to, but taste this. And it's even, this is going to be even better. And so when they do these like taste tests, it's to change their palate. It's to give them something better, you know, and it's, it's to get them to get them to desire this over this. And I think that's the difference between relationship and religion. I think when you taste the goodness of our daddy, when you start to taste how how sweet he is, he's like sweet honey, that there are times that you can think that, gosh, nobody cares about me, nobody wants me, nobody this, nobody that. And then all of a sudden you hear a song that speaks to your heart, that penetrates, yes. that moves you. Well, that's the father saying, here, honey, taste some of this honey because this is how I this is how much I love you I want to give you a treat here's a treat for you you know we're we're called to be daughters we're called to be sons we're not called to be servants we're not called to be slaves see the the biggest thing is that the angels are there to serve the Lord 
They loved the Lord. I think it was when, when David, was it David who when he, when he ate the honey, that when he ate the honey, his eyes were opened and his mm. eyes got brightened. And when we eat the honey of his word and we, you know, like Jesus said, when you eat my flesh, when we fellowship with him and we abide yes. in him, our eyes are, op- you know, the revelatory realm opens up to us. We begin to see and perceive our lives in a different way, situations, our perception changes. Um, and, and even we're talking about it on a personal level, but I remember, you know, um, taking my, uh, my assistant to a, um, you know, a, a, a spirit, Holy Ghost, prophetic, apostolic, whatever you want to describe it, meeting, and we came home, and she said, I'm ruined. I'm, I can <laughs> never go, I, I'm ruined now. Yes. In other words, she tasted something that what she used to be comfortable eating, she can't just eat that anymore. Mm. And I think that that is a good thing because that is that it's not a criticize a, a criticism of what you used to eat. It's part of the growth growth process we even see biologically. There comes a time where you come off the pureed baby food. That's right. And you experience the joy of, you know, eating a sandwich, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, peanut butter and jelly as a as a toddler, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you you have that you sunk your teeth into something better. And why would you ever go back to the puree? Exactly. When you can have this meal and God is inviting you to feast you know, going back to John 6, he's inviting you to feast on him. Why would you want to feast and sit at the table of dead formal religion? Oh, that's so good. And you know, the, when we were talking, there were a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. You were talking about the prophet Bob Jones. When Bob Jones died prematurely, he went to heaven. And what the Lord said to him, did you learn how to love? Right. And he said, uh, <laughs> I thought so. Yes. Uh, you know, and so the Lord's like, no, bye, boom, and he went back because see, right. that's that's the thing. Jesus and then walked God brought in him love. home on Valentine's Day, right? Because he loved the, him. That's the best part of that I know. story. And but but see, when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus walked in love. That's what he walked in, complete and total love, because it says he was moved with compassion on so many different things. He was moved with compassion. So he understands our plights. He understands our grieving. He understands our stuff. But he also doesn't condemn. He also doesn't judge because he sees the brokenness that caused us to do these terrible, horrible things. He gets it. And he has a heart of a father. So just like a good father, when your son, well, I hate to say this, but your son goes out, he goes on a drinking binge and he's like throwing up all over the place. You don't beat your son up. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You pull him inside, you you know, thank goodness I haven't had to experience this, but you you pull him inside, you make sure that they're safe, you tuck them into bed. You sober them up a little bit. You sober them up, and then when they're ready to have a conversation, that's when you have the conversation. Right. Not when they're sick. Not when they're sick. And I think that's what the church is, is going to, and I don't mean the buildings. I mean right, the body. Exactly, I think that exactly, this new yes. move that God is doing is he's going to send us out and he's going to help us to minister to those who are sick until they become aware so that they can change what they're doing. That's Amen. what I think is going to start to happen. And there's this this remnant, this beautiful remnant that God is raising up. Yes. That, and I, I just feel that there is something inside of you 
that even as you're hearing all these stories, as you're hearing these different things, that there's something rising up inside of you that's saying, I think that might be me. Kathy, would you mind like praying over the audience to pull yes, up definitely. that remnant. I guess, oh my gosh, I just looked at the clock. We're all we're <laughs> an hour then, yes. And I do want to tell the listening audience that they can, we do have the book on our website. They can order it on our website, yes. um, www.kathybixel.com. Um, that's spelled B-I-C-H-S-E-L.com. Um, they can also order, uh, if they go on our website, they can order it. We also have uh, an ebook um, that's available on, um, on Kindle. So all the instructions are there. They can, you know, purchase it on Amazon as well if they'd like to, uh, the ebook, I believe. And um, so I, you know, just wanted to make sure they knew um, how they can get the book. And they're welcome to visit our website uh, for anything else to follow uh, to follow us on social media. And also, um, we have a wonderful um, a, a TV program that we're actually going to have you on here shortly um, and uh, called Beautiful Life TV. You can visit us at BeautifulLifeTV.com and you can listen to our uh, broadcasts that we've had, uh, watch our broadcasts that we've had with other uh, Christian leaders um, and those who have powerful testimonies of being transformed by God's love. So to our listeners uh, tonight, I just invite you to, to visit us, and we'll be more than happy to um, minister to you should you have any other needs through those, that venue as well. Awesome. So Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful that we are privileged to be sons and daughters of God in this time. Lord, the earth is afraid, they're fretful, they're anxious, they're sorrowful, they're grieving, uh, they're angry, but Lord, you have said that in the midst of that darkness that you would rise on your people, Lord, and that our light would shine brightly. Father, I pray for those in the audience tonight, Lord, that don't know you as Savior. Maybe they are, they are sitting and listening tonight, and um, they've been uh, distracted by the things going on in the world around them, and they think that there is no hope, that they've uh, been touched by uh, the loss in their lives or some kind of devastation or, uh, or you know, a bad experience. But, Father, we know that your love is greater and that your love can meet them right where they are, that there is not a situation in their lives that can separate them from your love reaching down deep into their hearts to bring out a, a prayer of salvation, a prayer of salvation, not a sinner's prayer, a salvation prayer to receive your to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, tonight, to be born again, to accept him into their heart, to accept his sacrifice on the cross, and to receive his resurrection life in their hearts. And Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for those in this listening audience, Lord, that that um, are hungry for you. They're hungry to know you more intimately. They're hungry to experience what Lisa and I have talked about. Father, I pray right now that wherever they are, Lord, I send the word of God to them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that the fire of your love would touch them right now. Father, if they are listening and they have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Father, I pray that right now they would be baptized 
in the Holy Spirit right now, that they would receive the person of the Holy Spirit, and there would be the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and the fire of God would even alight on them physically tonight, Father. Father, for those that are sick, I send the word of God to you now. I say wherever you are, put your hand on your body, put your hand in that place of pain, and I say rise and be made whole in the name of Jesus. By the stripes of Jesus Christ on Calvary, you were healed. You were restored and made whole. Tumors go in the name of Jesus. Blood be cleansed in the name of Jesus. Depression go in the name of Jesus. Arthritis dry up and die in bones and joints in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that oppression flees. Every demonic power bows and flees at the name of Jesus Christ tonight. Father, we thank you for the the radical rising remnant that is rising in this season, Lord, even in our region in the Northeast, but all over the United States and all over the globe. Father, I thank you for the outpouring of your spirit. I thank you for signs and wonders and miracles. I thank you for life-changing encounters and experiences in your glory. Father, I thank you most of all, Lord, that, that we have not seen anything yet that you have saved lord the best wine for last and that the glory of the latter house the latter habitation of your spirit in your people shall be greater than the former in jesus name Amen. 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 Well, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Kathy. And as Kathy said before, if you guys are interested in getting her book, The Radical Rising Remnant, you can go to her website, which is kathybixel.com. You can also check out her video program, which is Beautiful Life, which has uh, some of the people who have been on have been on this show. So you get to see them. I know that. Yeah, Marcel. The body with yep. the voice. Marcel Tori Harper was on your show. Also, um, Anthony DiGregorio was also yes. on your show. He's one of my spirit. They're both my spiritual sons, which is so funny. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you guys are interested in connecting with Kathy, she also does, um, you do blogs too, right? You also have like a yeah, newsletter and blogs. Yeah, I haven't been doing as much because I haven't been doing as much writing. Um, I'm, I, I know everybody gets mad that I don't do more writing, but I... I will do it. Just pray that I have time. Yes. Well, Lord, <laughs> we just increase, we increase time because time is on her side. So Lord, yes. we just ask for more time. But Kathy, this has been so wonderful. Thank you oh, so same, much Lisa. for writing such a great book. Thank you so much for book. the opportunity. Absolutely. And you and all your listeners have a great evening. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. And thank you guys for listening. Just remember that you have a remnant inside of you. And I just pray that God blows on you. And you start to feel that embers start to glow. So thanks for tuning in. Remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.